Get you going, doesn't it? Thank you, worship team. God bless you. Well, one day this cat died, and the cat goes to heaven, and he meets the Lord himself. And the Lord says to the cat, you know, you've lived a very good life here while you were on planet Earth, but if there's any way I can make your stay more comfortable in heaven, just let me know. And the cat said, well, you know, Lord, I lived a hard life. I lived with a poor family, and I always had to sleep on a hard floor. And the Lord says, whoops, say no more. And poof, this fluffy pillow just appears. And... Uh, so everything's great. Several days later, there was a tragic farming accident, and six mice died, and the Lord was there to greet these six mice. And he makes the same deal with the mice, and the mice say, you know, Lord, all of our lives we were, you know, chased. We were chased by cats. We were chased by dogs. We were chased by women with brooms. And we were just wondering if you could give each one of us a pair of skates. And the Lord said, say no more. And he fitted each one of them with a beautiful pair of roller skates. And... Uh, about a week later, the Lord is visiting the cat, and the cat's sound asleep on its nice fluffy pillow, and the Lord wakes him up, and the cat stretches and whatnot and says, uh, you know, uh, Lord, what do you want? And the Lord said, well, I was just checking up to see how things are going. And the cat said, oh, you know, it's awesome. I mean, heaven's better than I even thought it was, and those meals on wheels that you've been sending these past week or so is great. <laughs> This morning we're going to continue our study in the book of Revelation. We move from the silly to the serious, right? And I've entitled the message this morning, Taking Back the Earth. Taking Back the Earth. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for what's transpired so far. I thank you for each person here. And as we have communion this morning, I really pray that you set the way through your word as we look at Revelation Chapter 5, a powerful, powerful chapter. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. Just come now. Just come and have your way. We're, we're here to meet the Lord. I just ask that your kingdom would come now and that your will would be done. That you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And again, I just thank you for what you're going to accomplish now. I praise you for, I believe, the chains that will just be broken this morning. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The essential message of the book of Revelation is that the Lamb is victorious. I said it again, and I'll say it again. The essential message of the book of Revelation is the Lamb is victorious. Revelation chapter 5, starting at verse 1, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that we know is the Father, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy? Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb 
looking as if it had been slain, slaughtered, standing in the center of a throne. And may I remind you, this is not earth now. We're talking about heaven. And do you realize the second person of the Trinity? For all of eternity will carry the marks of crucifixion. For all of eternity, when a believer looks on the Lamb, when it looks on Jesus Christ, you will see the nail prints in his wrists and in his feet. You will be able to probe that side wound and demonstrate the incredible love that God has and the incredible cost of his love for each one of us. He is encircled by the four living creatures. And spirits of God sent out into the earth. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Here you see in several short verses the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity of God. And this is what I call the perfect small community. And you see how they work together to carry out the Father's plan. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp or a lyre, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I don't know if that just gets to you, but I'll tell you what. It certainly speaks to me to know that my prayers matter. Can you believe it? Your prayers are caught in a bowl. They're caught in a bowl. Do you realize that your prayers are precious to God. And you say, well, why would my prayers be precious to God? I'll tell you why they're precious to God. They're precious to God because every time I pray and you pray, it demonstrates our dependence upon him. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. This is the song of the redeemed. Only the redeemed can sing this song. Only those people who have experienced the precious blood, the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ are able to sing this song. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, is that your song? Is that song in your heart? I'll tell you, it's a beautiful song. And this is the song of the redeemed, and we'll sing it all eternity long. And then it says there, then I looked. And I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb to pray, be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever. Now there are two major subjects in Revelation chapter 5. You first have the scroll and then you have the lamb who was wounded. Skip, can you put up that picture? And I want to talk about the mysterious scroll just for a moment. The scroll had writing on both the inside and the outside, which is unusual. It means that there was a lot of information there. And it was sealed not by one seal, but not by two, but by seven seals. Obviously, God is sealing the contents of the scroll. And it said that the apostle John was weeping. 
He was weeping. Why was the Apostle John weeping? I ask you, I had to ask myself that. Why in the world would the Apostle John be weeping? And I believe the answer is because he knew exactly what that scroll represented. The title deed of the earth. And the Apostle John realized that the owner of the title deed of the earth had belonged to none other than Satan himself. Satan had become the owner of the title deed of the earth. And he himself had experienced firsthand the evilness, the darkness of Satan. He himself was on the island of Patmos, exiled there, that God-forsaken island, because of Satan in his work behind Domitian. He, had, he was the only apostle left, do you realize, by 90 AD. He had watched one by one all of his brothers martyred because of the work of Satan. He was a pastor also, John. And you know how it breaks your heart to see one of your people being harmed. And he watched hundreds of those people he shepherds slaughtered because of what Satan was doing. And he wept and he wept and he said, is there no one who can take the title deed back from Satan? You see, it wasn't always this way. In fact, way back in the garden, Skip, can you put up that picture? Way back in the garden, see how pristine that is. God said this in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Skip, do you have those scriptures? It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In his image, Of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I will give every, now watch this, I will give every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Do you realize that God made Adam and Eve vice regents of the earth? In a sense, he made them the owners of the earth. And everything was going swimmingly. Until they decided to sin. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they not only placed themselves under the yoke of Satan, they placed the entire earth under the yoke of Satan. Satan became the owner of this world. And if you doubt that, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that he's the ruler of the air. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. People ask me all the time, why is there such suffering in this world? Why is there sickness? Why are all these things happening? Why is there ISIS? Why do these things happen? And I tell you why they happen, because Satan is still alive and well, and he is still reigning. That is why it's happening. And if you want proof of what I'm talking about, you have to Look no further than Matthew in chapter 4. 
In Matthew in chapter 4, we see the temptations, or what is known as the temptations of Jesus Christ. Matthew tells us that the third temptation is this. Satan took Jesus, he put him on a very high mountain, and on that high mountain, can you see it now in your mind's eye? And he's showing Jesus all the kingdoms of this world, and he says, Jesus, I will give you all of these kingdoms of the world and everything in them if you simply worship me. Do you realize what Satan was offering Jesus there? What he was really saying to Jesus? Did you know the Father's plan? It stinks. He's going to force you to be humiliated. He's going to force you to be scourged by your own creation. He's going to torture you on the cross. You're going to be naked. You're going to have to go through all of that just so you can win back the earth and the people of the earth. My plan is so much more simple and better. Jesus, I'm going to give it to you all. All you have to do is worship me. It's so simple and so easy. And you know, that's how Satan always works, isn't it? He'll give you what you want. He'll even make it easy, but he doesn't tell you the price. The price is the destruction of your soul and my soul. Now, I want you to know, Jesus doesn't say to Satan, Satan, who are you kidding? You can't sell the earth. You can't even give it away. You don't own it. But Jesus doesn't say that to Satan. In fact, here's what Jesus does say to Satan. And if you have your Bibles, you can look with me at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10. Jesus says this, away from me, Satan. And why can Jesus say that to him? Now, watch what Jesus says. It's very important. Jesus says, Away from me, Satan, be gone, because it is written. It is written. It is written. He's saying, this is truth. And you know, the only thing that Satan cannot stand up to is the truth. Even the very Son of God gave Satan the truth. And he said this to Satan. You shall only worship God and serve him alone. And you see, that's always the choice. That's the choice each one of us has every single day. Am I going to serve? Am I going to worship God and serve him alone? Or will I worship Satan and serve him? And the way you do that, by the way, is by serving yourself. When we serve ourselves, we're doing the very thing that Satan does. When we take the easy path, we're doing the very thing that Satan did and does. And Satan says to us, he whispers in our ears, God wants you to be happy, so go ahead and do it. Now, I want you to know there is not a verse in the Bible that says that God wants you to be happy. There's a verse in many verses that say God wants you to have joy. There's a huge difference, though, between joy and happiness, and there's many preachers today lying to you about that. Satan says, it's just a little thing. Go ahead and do it. You know, sin is never a little thing. The price is huge when you and I choose to sin and rebel against God. Satan says, go ahead and do it. No one will find out. And that may be true on planet Earth, but you know who does know? God knows. God knows. Satan says, how can it be wrong when everyone is doing it? I love that. My kids used to say that. And do you know something? Scripturally speaking, the majority is almost always wrong. Did you know that? You look throughout the Bible, and the majority is almost always wrong. The minority is the one who's generally right, not the majority. Satan says, you are young. Get right with God when you're 70. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm going to get right with God on my deathbed. And I said, there's only one problem. You don't know the day of your death. Satan says, it's all right. You were born that way. 
Well, you know what the reality is? We were all born in sin. We were all born in rebellion. We, are all bo- we were all born with a fallen nature. Do you know why Jesus Christ came to this planet? Jesus tells us, in fact, the Apostle John tells us, if you have your Bibles, in 1 John chapter 3, he says this. Dear children, starting at verse 7, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. Did you get that? He who does what is right is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. He who does what is sinful, that is rebellious, is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Why did Jesus come? To destroy Satan's works. Do you know what Satan's three major weapons are? I'll tell you what. Satan's three major weapons are this, lies. That's his first major weapon. If you bite down on the lie, the next thing you will do is you will sin. You will rebel. And the next thing you will do after that is you will experience death. First physical death, and ultimately you will experience spiritual death. Those are the powerful weapons of Satan. Now watch this. But he says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the Satan's weapons. No one, now watch this, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Did you hear that? To be rebellious. Because God's seed, that's the Holy Spirit, remains in him. He cannot go on sinning continuously because he has been born of God. This idea that I could be backslidden for years and years and years is, is just pure balderdash. It's not true. It is simply not true. Do you realize that sin for the true born-again believer is temporary insanity? In fact, we looked at the seven letters of Revelation, and Jesus says to each church, to him or to her overcomes, to him or to her overcomes, to him or to her overcomes. He gives us the ability to overcome lies. You know how we can overcome lies? By knowing the truth. That's why he gave us the scripture. He gave us the ability to overcome sin. Overcome rebellion. That's what the power of the cross is all about. That's why we have the cross there. The cross not only pays for the penalty of our sin, but it gives us the power to overcome sin. Do you realize that? He wants you to be free. He wants me to be free and walk in freedom. And Jesus, by the way, causes the believer to overcome death. You know why? Because he lives, you will live. Because he lives, you and I will live. Well, very quickly, very quickly. This brings us to Jesus. This brings us to the wounded lamb. This brings us to the lamb of God. He takes center stage in Revelation chapter 5. Why does he take center stage in Revelation chapter 5? I'll tell you why. Because he's victorious. He overcame Satan. And he can give you and I victory over Satan. Do you realize for the believer that Satan is nothing more than a toothless lion? He may go around roaring and seeking whom he may devour, but for you and I, he's just a toothless lion. Isn't that awesome? He has no real power over the believer. Now, it is asked me sometimes, you know, if Jesus won and took the title deed back, essentially, back 2,000 years ago, then why did he just set up his millennial kingdom? If he did it through the cross and the resurrection, why did he allow Satan to continue on for the last 2,000 years? Do you know what the answer is? You, 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 and you, and you, and me. You know what? He saw down the cores of time. He said, I want you to be part of my family. Jesus could have taken the earth back any time, but he didn't because he wanted us to be part of his family. But I want you to know we're living in a day and time, and I'm certain, as certain as anything else, you're watching the pages of human history coming to a close. 
and that door will close. If you don't know Jesus this morning, this is your opportunity. This is your chance if you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And because of what Jesus did, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you see, in the end of Revelation, and and, and we saw scriptures, everybody in heaven and on earth and under the earth either will acknowledge or has acknowledged the supremacy and the magnificence and the power of the Lamb. You know, I just before we move to communion, I'm going to share this story with you about praising God and thanking God. There was this uh, simple Christian farmer, and uh, God had always provided for him, and he just simply trusted in God. And one day, this simple farmer, he invited over one of his enlightened, one of his sophisticated relatives out to his farm and this sophisticated relative and their family, his family lived in the city. And when it came time for supper, the the simple Christian farmer, he grabbed the two hands closest to him, and he began to pray, and he said, let us pray. And he said, oh, Lord, we worship you because you are just worthy of worship. We thank you for this food that we are about to partake. Because we realize that everything we have, everything we have comes from your hand. And we thank you so much for our relatives today that have come from the city to join us in this meal. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the sophisticated relative immediately said, how outdated and old-fashioned is that? No one with an education prays anymore, especially in public. And the simple Christian farmer said, Well, it's true. Praying is old-fashioned. And he said, I must admit, there are some here on my farm who do not pray and who do not worship. They refuse to pray and worship the living God. Really, said the sophisticated relative from the city. I am so glad to hear that enlightenment has finally come to this farm. Who are these wise people, by the way? The farmer reached over and he grabbed a roll and he said, the pigs. My question as we go to communion this morning, how wise are we? How wise are we? You know, that question is simply answered by who you worship, who you're really giving thanks to. Are you giving thanks? Are you praising the one who lived or died and lived again? Are you praising the lamb who was on the throne? Are you praising the one who redeems you by his precious blood, who can set you free, who can give you life and purpose? I say this morning, I say this morning that we be wise and we are going to praise and we are going to worship the Lamb who is upon the throne. Skip, can you play it? Let's stand in his honor tonight, everybody that can get on your feet. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. To the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we bless Him tonight. Everybody lift your hands just for a moment, come on. 
come on forward. I think now we're ready to have communion, aren't we? I think now we're really ready to worship the Lamb. That's what it's all about. Lord's Supper is just about worshiping the Lamb. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, we invite you into this precious time. This is really for believers. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, even now, we'll give you an opportunity just to receive him by bowing your head and recognizing that he died for your sins. He died for your sins so that you can live and have an eternal relationship with the living Lord. We've always talked about maybe you're a believer. You've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, but you're not right right now. I want to give you a few moments to allow the Holy Spirit to, to work in your heart. So let's just pray and let the Holy Spirit move. Lord, I love this time. I love this time to celebrate with my brothers and sisters. Something that if you become born again, it's just imprinted in you. The preciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ in a sacrifice. I was dead, but now I've been made alive. I pray that for every person in this room. I pray this is going to be an incredible time of intimacy and healing and power. And we partake of the bread and the cup together. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. You know, we look upon Jesus as the bread of life. Amen. The bread of life itself. He told us when we received communion, as far as the bread goes, he said, do this in remembrance of me. I pray that, I pray for you this morning that when we had that moment, just to do business with the Holy Spirit, just to allow our hearts to be cleansed by God, I hope and I pray with all my heart that you took that opportunity. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you today and you're so excited about receiving the elements Mm -hmm. of communion. Perhaps there's some in this house that the Holy Spirit has spoke to their heart and said to them, I'd like you to refrain from it this morning. For whatever reason, God spoke to your personal heart. Please think about this, church family, that Jesus never, as a servant, he never served food or bread or drink or anything to anyone, according to the Bible, without doing four things first. I believe these four things are our marching orders this morning. Do you know when Jesus fed the uh, the 4,000 or the 7,000, He said to his disciples, you feed them. Wouldn't it be a sad, sad thing to his family if if we left here this morning without considering that? 
you feed them. Then Jesus did four things. He took the bread. He broke the bread. He blessed the bread. And he gave the bread. Maybe our marching orders this morning in Christ Jesus is this. I believe that anything, absolutely anything can happen at the table of the Lord. I believe that our Lord Jesus is so gloriously, marvelously wonderful that anything can happen. Maybe when we leave here today, God chooses us to, he chooses us to embrace us or take us. Maybe by touching our hearts. Maybe by giving us great courage or boldness or humility or that which our heart needs so badly. Maybe he chooses to take us. Maybe he chooses to break us this morning. Are there areas in your life that needs to be broken? Quite often there's areas in my life, church, that needs to be broken. Maybe he chooses to then bless us. There is no greater treasure in this world than to be blessed by Almighty God. And then maybe he chooses to give us. So perhaps as we walk, as we receive this communion meal, and we walk out the doors this morning, perhaps we're just supposed to, God's supposed to take us and break us and bless us. And we're supposed to be given out to a hurting world. Jesus was the bread of life. We learned it just two weeks ago in this very auditorium. We heard pastor preach upon Jesus speaking to the seven churches. And when he spoke to him, he said this. He said, to you who overcome. One of the things he said is, I'll give the special, the secret, the marvelous, the glorious manna I'll give to you. I've saved it, and I will give it to you if you will overcome. Church, to accomplish what God wants in this end time, we need to be overcomers. So as you receive communion this morning, allow God to take you and bless you, break you, and give you out. There's much, much work to be done. But because of the cross... The bulk of the work has to be done. Now we just need to serve as overcomers. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the opportunity to receive this bread this morning. Lord, we look upon you as the bread of life. We look upon you, Lord Jesus, as our source. Oh, Lord. Lord, there was another time that Jesus fed that he simply said to one of his disciples, do you love me? I believe there's a prophetic word in this house this morning, and it's for you. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Yes, Lord, what do I feed them? Feed them the bread of life. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.